Hey guys, my name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, first I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the past episodes, but if you haven't listened to the last Lunchbox Radio special edition, uh, Sunday edition, I keep calling it special edition because I'm a moron, um, and I don't know how to pronounce my own shit, um, if you've ke- if you've haven't listened to the last episode of Sunday Edition because it wasn't out when you expected it to be. There was a scheduling conflict. You can go listen to it now. It went up at 2 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock, literally hours later than it should have because I pressed the wrong date in the scheduling part of my podcast scheduler thing. But yeah, you can go check that out now. It's the previous podcast in the feed from this one. But that said, I hope everybody's been enjoying that. That the episode, the Sunday edition I just did was on the tools to make your own animation if you are so inclined. So if you're even the least bit interested in that, I highly suggest go listening to that because I put a ton of information in there. And I put a ton of links in there. Of course, the church bell rings. Of course, it does. And I have my window open because my new studio is hot as hell. But, um, so, on that note, I want to jump right into what we'll be talking about this week, and that is Ghost in the Shell, Solid State Society 2045. Now, before we get into the show proper, I want to do my normal spiel about Netflix and anime and their failure to adapt to what is the anime streaming world norm, which is simulcasts. And what simulcasts mean is literally like either day, day and date of it airing in Japan, it comes out in America, or maybe a day later, depending on workflows that is changing because of these these unprecedented times which is code for COVID-19 is fucking up the world still but 
This uh, Ghost in Shell's Solid State Society. I'm just going to call it Solid State um, Standalone Complex 2045. I, is is in a weird position, I think, and that's because I have a note here that says, "What the fuck is with this weird release?" Because you go and you find this show on Netflix, and you find it in like the Netflix feed thing. And the trailer that auto-plays is in English. It's English-dubbed. But the entire show is in Japanese with English subtitles. And also, and we'll get into this later, um, but the show really chops off, like, the end is, like, really just, it's chopped off like it's being forced to go for another season. And what that says to me is, that this is an unusual release. This was a release that was planned to maybe be a 24-episode-run se- season, or at least the people who made it meant it to be 24 episodes. Netflix is going to do what Netflix does with its shit, and it's going to fuck with it anyway it can figure out how, because uh, that's the way they roll. But the way it ends, plus... The weird dubbing situation tells me that they released this kind of in a hurry to have it out in the in what could be a potential dry period for programming because production on tons of stuff has stopped at this point. If you've looked, if you've been following any of the COVID anime industry related news, there are tons of shows that started and then abruptly stopped because they are they can't go back into their animation studios to work and there's no effective way to move the physical materials of animation uh, as much as there still are physical materials of animation between all the different parties involved without with social distancing enacted and that going very quickly so uh, I think that this show came out the way it did and in the really kind of messy, sloppy way that it did in terms of an audio thing. Because just so you know, one of the reasons why Netflix holds its shows for so long is because it wants to have them redubbed. It wants to have them dubbed in all the languages that's going to release them in generally because it knows that that will help the casual fan watch them without excuse so like if you see and this is true of actually Funimation as well and Funimation's dub schedule is all fucking crazy now too because of COVID and because they have to work around like social distancing restrictions and you can go on Twitter and you can see voice actors literally setting up studios for the first time in their home And not like my little podcast setup, like they are soundproofing the wall, soundproofing a whole closet and making a voice booth, a professionalized voice booth for them to read in. And they're, you know, setting up a monitor and all this other shit so they can have the storyboards to read to and all this other stuff so they can get the timing right. 
But like I said, that stuff is just ramping up, and that's why all the dub schedules are fucked up, including Netflix's. And a new show that just came out, it's like a dragon hunting food combo weird show that I started watching, actually, um, I want to say two nights ago, probably, is it's coming up. I would bet that has been done for a while. And... That's so. That's the first thing about Ghost in the Shell that the release is very fucking strange. Now I want to get into the mate to Ghost in the Shell as to the actual show, um. But I think this this chunk of Ghost in the Shell has a problem, and I want to be really clear about what that problem is. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what that problem is, and then I'm going to explain it. But it has a problem that none of the other Ghost in the Shells have, that none of the other Ghost in the Shell things have had. And one of the things that's so unique about Ghost in the Shell as a property is it has, it has been largely uh, stewarded by people who know that who know that universe and know that thing, and they. Even something as odd as Ghost in the Shell Arise and all of its Microsoft Surface-related freaking promotional stuff, which, if you don't know about that, go look up Ghost in the Shell Arise Microsoft Surface in Google, and you'll get some, like, very strange cross-promotion happening in the in the browser. <laughs> but it, even with Ghost in the Shell Arise, they knew that they couldn't, touch the main chunk of Ghost in the Shell because first Ghost in the Shell, the people who made Ghost in the Shell standalone complex well the same people actually who made um, 2045 but we'll get to that in a second and secondly the people who made the movies not just um, Ghost in the Shell 1 and Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence um, and the and the Ghost in the Shell Solid State Society movie, which, if you really want, like, an alternate continuation of this standalone complex universe, definitely go watch Solid State Society. It is worth your time. It's a fucking fun ride of a movie. Um, with all the, like, Ghost in the Shell goodness that you crave in your soul, as I do. But all those things adhere to keeping the characters pretty on the straight and narrow of what has been established beforehand and they do build all of the stuff builds on each other but it's all careful not to feel like it's betraying what came before it and what i'm gonna say next will take some explanation and I'll, i promise i'll explain it i'll just leave it hanging in the air but i think ghost in the shell 2045 has a Batman identity problem. And for some of you, you're like, huh, what? What do you mean Batman identity problem? And for others of you, you probably know what I mean. You probably know that one of the core tenets of Batman is that Batman never kills anyone. Batman ties people up, knocks them out, and leaves them for the police to find, but he never kills anyone. Part of the... Part of the like, non-logic of the Batman universe is that 
he does such a poor job of permanently fixing Gotham's problem that they continue to, like, flare up, like, you know, herpes throughout that throughout that property life, basically. He, you know, he knocks out and arrests the Joker. Joker goes to Arkham. Joker comes back out, escapes Arkham, and freaking wreaks havoc again until Batman shows up and stops it. And the Batman stuff that gets Batman wrong is the Batman stuff where, like, Batman either directly or indirectly, it doesn't matter which, just cold cocks people and fucking murders dudes. And uses, like... And the and one of the telltale signs of this is Batman never uses guns. And that is in the Batman lore because Batman's parents were killed by, you know, a street alley robber with a gun. So he never uses guns. If you ever see Batman with a gun in a thing, that person has... The person making that Batman thing does not understand Batman and has fucked up. Now, the reason why I'm talking about Batman and the Batman identity problem is because I think that Ghost in the Shell has... This this Ghost in the Shell has the same problem. Don't get me wrong. I... I like the idea of the story. The story is really interesting. It would be nice if they finished it, since this this show definitely feels like they chopped off the last half so they could release it as another season later and they could stretch out the amount of content they could put out in what, like I, keep, like I said in the beginning, could be a really big dry period for entertainment. But in addition to them cutting off the story in the middle... The story seems less. It seems it's not that the story seems any less Ghost in the Shell esque. It seems like the characters are slightly not the characters you remember. If that makes any sense, and and it's there's subtle things. There's a there's one big thing, but there's mostly subtle things. And the subtle things, like, yes, probably the least changed character, because he's kind of, I would assume, a fan-favorite character who's hard to fuck up, is Bato. Bato is, ve- is still very much dad who owns Basset Hound energy all the time. But they... So they've added two characters at the beginning of the show, and I don't remember either of their names, but the first one is, which is kind of appropriate because the way they treat them for, they treat at least one of them for, in the show's case. The first character they add is this black guy, and a, a core tenant of, of Ghost in the Shell stories to me is that if you see the major in a odd in a uh, in an odd situation, if you come back in the Ghost in the Shell and the Major is somewhere other than Section Nine, at some point she should tell the rest of Section Nine, or she should tell somebody like why she's doing this, why she's doing what she's doing. If you've seen Solid State Society, she says to Bato, like the reason I left. 
Section 9 is because gov- the bureaucratic system of government in Japan is too is too constrained for me to address all of these other weird fucking nightmare cyberpunk crimes that I saw happening, so I left to deal with them on my own terms outside of the law. As as someone enforcing the law outside of it is basically what she said in in um solid state society, but in this you they explain that basically the world the richest parts of the world have thrown the war world into what they call a sustainable war, and the sustainable war is a war that can go on forever against no one and exist to basically be a pyramid scheme slash profiteering operation for the people at the very top and everybody else is fucked. Now, that's a very... That's a pretty good cyberpunk scenario in my book. But the thing is, is that... What you're also led to believe is that Section 9 was for some reason just, like, canceled. Like, the government didn't want to pay for it anymore because Section 9 was very expensive, which makes sense. But when you encounter Motoko and the gang, and this is a key point, she and and most of the people who were part of Section 9, minus, um... My, not minus, um... What's his face? The normal one, minus Togusa, have basically gone to South America to do what they can to help stop this sustainable war bullshit. And they are like doing black ops bullshit in South America. But there's not really a reason for it. And there's no, like, they don't seem like they're making a dent in anything. They just, it feels like they're just fucking stuff up and doing paramilitary bullshit because they can. And they, they all say, like, we want to do what we do best. And this was the opportunity we had to do it. And, you know, they, they are clearly working for clients and clearly working for wealthy clients. But the thing is, is that that's not really the, like, thing that they do. The point of Ghost in the Shell is that the, the, the main character of Ghost in the Shell, Matoko, who, by the way, her new, her new character design, we'll have some conversations about that, she has a very clear moral compass and the situation that they're in doesn't feel like the Motoko that you that you are familiar with with for all of the other Ghost of Shell series would ever involve herself with. She doesn't seem like somebody who would who would be the protection muscle for a rich guy, which you find out by the end of episode. I want to say like. Four of twelve, like four of twelve. That's what she was kind of doing, and it feels weird. Like you're like, really? 
You defending Rich San Francisco, dude, from, like, killer drones? This seems like some shit that you would, like, you would disarm the drone, like, in the course of doing something else. You'd disarm that drone in the course of doing something else that led to exposing this rich dude for what he was and him being a shitbag but not being dead and going to jail instead. Now, the best episode of this, and I forget the episode number, but it's it, you'll recognize it when you see it, is their one, like, tangent episode, which is already slightly odd for Ghost of the Shell, because very often Ghost in the Shell is so much... It's so focused on a story that even the side episodes loop back around by the end to being part of the main plot. Like when Togusa goes and investigates potential abuse at a, you know, uh, mental facility, he learns that, he, he learns the probable identity of um, the laughing man by the end. And that loops in the main story when the major goes off on these like weird little side stories, they all kind of like coalesce into something in solid state society. In the side episode they have for twenty forty five though, it's about financial collapse in the it for the lower people on the rung of the ladder. So you you follow Bato as he as he enter as he comes back to Japan for the first time in a long time, and he's got a big old weekender bag full of money from all over the world. And he's going to the bank because he didn't exactly have the opportunity to go to one collective bank and put everything in one account until now. And this is the only episode rundown that I'm going to do because I think this episode is worth it and you should go watch it, at least this episode. But he... He notices the bank is only populated by old people, including the security guard, who's just an old dude. And he finds it odd, and then he notices that none of the old people have the money they thought they had. He sees an old woman try to take out the balance of her account. You find out later that she was trying to take out the balance of her account so she could go to a place where euthanasia is legal and die and be with her husband because the world had gotten, the financial situation in Japan had gotten that fucked up, which is not hard to imagine, especially now in these unprecedented times. But... She can't, the amount of money she saw she had, she didn't, which is odd. And then all of a sudden, somebody goes and robs the bank, which in, like, Ghost in the Shell's fiction doesn't usually happen. Um, and it turns out to be these old guys who are robbing the bank for everything got because they, they were cheated out of their money just like the old lady was because... The branch manager of the bank took all of their money and 
invested in crypto to enrich himself. Only the way he did it was he made it seem like it was a victimless crime and he got away got away with it. So, and this is the, one of the better Bato moments in um, Ghost in the Shell, actually. What Bato does is he gives them all fucking money from his account that he just... And he says, okay, start buying that cryptocurrency. And he has enough money to crash the currency. And he gets all of his money back and then a little bit more. And they all get all the money they need. And he does this, like, good... He, he does this... Ghost, this cyberpunk ghost in the shell hat trick thing that is usually usually actually reserved for a character like the major. And it really, it was fun to see Vato like just be like, "Okay, guess this is what I'm doing my Saturday. I'm manipulating the cryptocurrency to fuck over a rich dude." And that's a really great episode because it feels. Like, one of the more adventurous, fun, Ghost of the Shell Solid State Society. Um, standalone complex episodes. But the... The rest of the show feels... It feels like it has that fat man identity problem. It feels like... The characters aren't tuned just right. And to... Explain this, I want to talk about the first side character, the first new character that they introduced to the cast. I forget his name, but they introduce a black guy. When you, when you first come in on the show in South America, they have a new team member, most likely, who's supposed to be like the replacement for Togata, who is just a black dude. There's nothing seemingly stand out about him except for he's a black dude. He's a little less... He's a little less... Um, sharp in terms of skill than all the other people. But he still... He holds his own. He, you know, gets shit done. He's of the caliber that, like, you can see the major working with him. Even if he is a little rough around the edges. But by the time they are back in Japan, but by the end of their little South American journey, he's dead and they don't even care. They have this fight with this with the um like main bad guy thing in the with the main like antagonistic force in this in this series in this series or season, I guess you could call it. Of Ghost in a Shell. And that is these... I forget what they call them, but they're, ba they're basically like... They are... They are like the kids from the mental institution that Tokusa went to in Dandelone Complex. In that it seems that they have adapted to their prosthetic bodies and cyber brains so adeptly... They, like, start to lose their own personality and turn into something different, and it starts to have this collective will, which is really interesting. And they are so fucking dangerous and so off the handle that, like, the government can't get close to them. You meet this new character, another new character they introduce, 
who's like a side, who's uh, takes kind of the same position as the fuck as the minister with the fucked up face from the second season of Standalone Complex does, and that he is this opposite force from section nine for the entirety time of the time he's there he wants what seems like the same thing but you know that it doesn't like the two will never meet eye to eye or click and they just call him john smith and he's this shadowy secret agent guy from america and in their first fight with this with this like debt with this superhuman the black guy dies when the building falls on when like the building caves in on him and they just move on they i I have in my notes (laughs) like they kill the black guy and they just move the fuck on like he never existed and if you know anything about the character of matoko kusanagi and all the different characters that you have in the Ghost in the Shell main cast. All of them are specifically picked by Matoko for a specific reason, and she has specific attachments to all of them. Togusa, Bato, Boma, Ichikawa, all of them. So to think that she would just let a member of her team fucking die in a building collapse and move on without there being some kind of repercussion to the random unaffiliated to her American government asshole who caused that scenario to happen is really fucked up. It is a major character point that is just ignored by the, by this season of the show. And so here's where I want to talk about CG. Now, I'm not someone who loves CG. I love the traditional anime look. And, but I think that CG can be used effectively and that you can, you can do it without it feeling like it is a detriment to the show. And while I hate the look of something like Ajin Demi-Human or something like Knights of Sidonia, I've seen bits and pieces of that, and the shows are not good-looking, and they, like, fuck with the frame rate to make it to make it seem like it's better, and that makes it worse. But you look at something like Beastars, and Beastars is definitely CG. It has a look. It has a feel. But it's really commit. It's definitely committed to that and it's it's got its own swagger it's not the same swagger as its manga counterpart which is like a very sketchy emotional looking thing but it it has some kind of personality and it has some kind of non-burger king toy feeling to it if you go look up still from the show uh, and you're like stunned. The still that you will probably the character who will probably most stun you in their appearance is actually Chief Aramaki. 
because he, the way they have his hair done and the way they have his skin done and like the like kind of monkey bald head and then the big crazy like monk thing, like exaggerated monk bold hair thing he has on the back of his head. All is it all feels like the same texture. All is like smooth and the smooth, and all they did was take an eyedropper and put different colors in each section, and that's really disconcerting because, like I said, like I just said, he 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 looks like a Burger King toy. And then we get to this show's design for the major, and she looks twelve, and I hate it. And the reason why I say I, I hate it is because, and once again, this comes back to the Batman identity problem that they have with this show. In Ghost in the Shell, in Standalone Complex, the show that this is supposed to be a continuation of, somebody says, why don't you just get switched to a male body? People will respect you more. And her response is, to control someone's... I think it's actually... She does it to Bato and he asks her, and he just does this... She just does this to her, to him. She hacks... She hacks his cyber brain and makes him punch himself in the face. And, and she just flat out says and shows, I don't need people to respect me more. This is who I've always been. This is a conscious choice. I will earn people's respect very easily on my own terms. And what that says is, what that says in all the designs of Matoko, including the one in, that's supposed to be a um, prequel design of Matoko, including the one in Ghost in the Shell Arise, all seem like they're linked together. Like it, it, it feels like the Ghost in the Shell Arise Matoko grows up to be the Matoko that you meet in. Um, what's it called? Grows up to be the Ghost in the Shell Matoko that, or it transfers into a body that you see in the original Ghost in the Shell movie, and then from the Ghost in the Shell movie. You see her in this spare child body after she's like totally torn up by the government, and and also, I got this comment when I, you know, was taught when I was conversing in a Twitter thread, like the construct, the construct that was Matoko. I, I can appreciate that, like that as an existing thing, but for the sake of everybody's sanity. I always refer to her as Matoko. I don't refer to her as the major because the live-action movie fucking took that from us. But, and also, I want to say here, like I said, I think this show is interesting, but I think it has major problems. And by making Matoko have this, like, very cutesy very, like, 12-year-old feeling design, it feels like the fetish got into the character designer room at night and did its own thing. 
if that makes any sense. The, Motoko's design in, which I can stare at actually somewhere, Motoko's design in Ghost in the Shell Rise feels like the government has paid for her body up until this point, and she is really like in her very early 20s or very late teens. She's like nine, feels like she's 19 in that movie. And she acts like that. She's not as polished. She's not as specific. In Ghost in the Shell, in the original Ghost in the Shell movie, she she looks kind of the way she acts, and they it matches up. The way she looks and the way she acts in Standalone Complex, season one and two, it matches the way it, it all matches together at every point all along. When the when you encounter her multiple in multiple different bodies in Innocence, you understand how she's doing that and why she's doing that. The same thing happens. The same thing happens, and the same reasoning is applied to solid state society. But when you have her in the child in the child prosthetic body, it it feels like she is. Designed kind of by the male gaze, if that makes any sense. It doesn't feel like this character chose this. It feels like some creepy dude chose it, and it it, it and it all contributes to the Batman identity problem. And then there's probably the biggest the the biggest what well, I would consider the biggest sin of this show, and that's the fact that. It's a 12-episode run, and I will tell you, if you're planning on watching this, don't get your hopes up. They do not finish the story by 12 episodes. And people, and most people who, haven't, who aren't super familiar with Ghost in the Shell are like, yeah, that's fine. That, make, that makes sense. But the thing about Ghost in the Shell is that it starts the story and it finishes it before, it before you have the chance to, like, atrophy out of it. That makes any sense, and I suspect that this is Netflix trying trying to do whatever it wants to do, whatever 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 analyst thinks it should do with this with its release schedule at this point. I get that, but at the same point, they take literally eleven of those twelve episodes to get to the point where they're starting to ramp into how complex the actual story of the show is because they spend four or five episodes in South America and California just fucking around. And then they spend another couple episodes fucking around with the Japanese government. And there's a whole there's a whole really odd facet of this show that they it feels like they're going to swing back around on and that is the America has definitely base is definitely trying to set up Japan as a puppet nation in this show. And they they start as soon as they start to be concerned with that, they stop being concerned with it. If that makes any sense. And they're like, oh, this is this is 
this is really fucked. We should look into this, but after we deal with the superhumans. And in a good Ghost in the Shell story, that stuff will all wind together and knit together, and the solution will resolve all the points. It will result in something that solves the pro- that solves all problems that that solves all those little weird side problems too. But because they don't get the full run of episodes, which I bet is twenty four, I get the feeling that it's twenty four episodes. They don't. They don't. It 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 lacks the impact. They start to ask all these questions, and all these questions, now, as of now, as of the end of the first quote-unquote season of this new series, do not have an answer. And if you've seen Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, or even the movie, if you've seen Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, they adhere to... The rule that if we're gonna start a, if we're gonna start a story, we finish it and we finish all the component the component parts of it before we move on to the next season. Nothing breaks for an extended period of time, and I realize that this is probably not the creators of this show. This is the way Netflix is handling the release, but. And I also realized that this may be because of COVID-19. But in all honesty, considering all the other weird little problems with Ghost in the Shell standalone, with Ghost in the Shell 2045, I, I don't see a great reason for releasing this show the way they did without the back half. For the good of the show. I see a good reason for releasing it for the good of keeping subscribers, quote-unquote, satisfied and fed. But I don't see a good reason for releasing it and having it benefit the show in any way. And I... I really... I have a real problem with a licensor because that's what Netflix is in this case. It is paying for the license of anime so it can have sole license of that anime outside of Japan. Because something like um, Seven Deadly Sins, for example, airs on normal television in Japan, but here we get it through Netflix because they're licensing it, and they are also, but they are paying for the production of it as well. If they're going to do that, if they're going to play these fucked up scheduling release games with their shows, they damn well better do it for the benefit of the show instead of the benefit of their own platform because ultimately what will happen is is people will stop people will never let me be honest people will never stop watching anime on netflix i won't you won't that's 
a pie in the sky fantasy. But it will diminish the impact and the effect and the intended effect by the creator of what they're trying to say. They are very clearly trying to have a conversation about the relationship between America and Japan in this show. But because we don't have the back half of the show, we don't necessarily have that whole we don't have that whole commentary. We'll have to be caught up at some point. And I think and I might do a Sunday episode on this. I've been doing research. I think that one of the problems with the current anime bubble is similar to a problem with the last anime bubble. And that is anime is being seen as this product that has a niche audience that can be tapped into and can be rung and they can be rung for money constantly. As a result, there's stuff in the in the first anime crash, what they call it, they did, and I am going to do a show on this, I am going to probably do not my next Sunday show on this, but the one after that, because I already recorded my next Sunday show. Um, they released all these shows, and they fucked with them, and they changed them. They in Infamously in Pokemon, they turned rice balls into jelly donuts because they didn't want to explain what a rice ball was to a seven-year-old. You know, Netflix is now doing in its release schedule and it's, and certainly its handling of it, its release schedule for this stuff and its handling of the story pace of anime because they want they want at least two seasons of everything that kind of stuff to the product because the the last episode of Ghost in the Shell end with bot with um, what's his face? Um, damn it. With, um, with what's his face? The brown haired guy who I mentioned. With Togusa vanishing. It ends with them starting to get into the, like, complex weirdness of whatever, of this, you know, of this superhuman story they're going through. And then there's just no more until who knows when? Until six months from now? You know, come on, guys. If, if you... So two things I think, two reasons why I think streaming has struggled to replace television for as long as it has, because make no mistake, it, it, it has replaced television for lots of people, but terrestrial TV is still more capable of this. It's really, first, it's the idea of binge culture. Uh, Netflix wants its shows to be bingeable, but it also wants two seasons. And it can't have a bingeable show that's 24 episodes if there's no second season. So, of course, it would cut it in two. The other thing Netflix can't do is it can't mimic the week-to-week appointment viewing very well because they have trained their 
subscribers to be into binging stuff on Netflix, to gorge themselves on content, and to want to watch a whole anime series at a time. And that means that they're in a catch-22 with something like Ghost in the Shell, where they are going to produce a whole story that will take 24 episodes, and then they'll produce the next whole story that will take 24 episodes. That would have been a smarter move to me if they just said, okay, we want two seasons from... If Netflix had said, we want two seasons from you, we want two distinct... And then the Ghost in the Shell people probably would have said... The people producing the show probably would have said, which is Kenji Kamiyama and um, the actual team that did the original Ghost in the Shell, which is why the story feels right. The characters don't feel right, once again, because they killed the black guy and didn't even give a shit. But the story feels right because it is the same people who made Standalone Complex. But... It does feel a little... It feels right and interesting. It feels a little fan fiction-y, and I think that's probably because of the friggin' uh, disturbness of the Major's character design. But it should be one season of 24 and another season of 24. And they... Because of all the things that have happened... In these unprecedented times, I'm sure they felt pressured to release something from this. And it just... <sighs> I want... When I'm... So, first off, I watched most of this show on my new projector home theater setup thing, which was a lot of fun. And I wanted to walk away from the show and love it. And I, I did initially, and I, but also when I talk about a show, especially a show like Ghost in the Shell, I want other people's opinions. So I, you know, I looked at, I looked out in the universe, I watched all kinds of, I like saw what people were saying, I started to think about it, and I remember when I watched the show, and the black guy, and the black character died, and I felt odd. I remember. The frame where I saw the Major's character, I'm like, that doesn't... That's super fetishy in a way that this show... That this show doesn't do without reason. That this property doesn't do without reason. And now is doing without reason. And I remember specifically the watching episode 12 and thinking, this story isn't finished. What are they doing? And it's just, if you, if you like Ghost in the Shell and you want more Ghost in the Shell and you want new Ghost in the Shell, go watch the show. You did more Ghost in the Shell. And that opening is, that A, the opening song is great and the opening sequence is really great. It is, it is a take on the original Ghost in the Shell opening. The original iconic like da da boom boom da da boom boom opening from the original Ghost in the Shell movie for the modern era with a cool ass song you can find on streaming everywhere and it 
that's a fun opening. The ending had some really great, almost, um, I would call it, the character design things and flat and flat designs of all the characters that are really interesting. But there's just so many compromises to the show. There's so many, there's so many things that go to the show. There's so many things about the rest of the anime industry that are leaking into Ghost in the Shell that Ghost in the Shell never had to deal with. There's, you know, the seasonal, the four seasonal structure that Netflix imposes. There's the 3D CG-ness of the show that, that makes it that makes the character feel cold that makes it feel like they forgot to put textures on the character that makes it feel like this is you're watching something that is meant to be a toy commercial if you look up ghost in the shell 2045 you will find like they used these models and printed them up in some place and made figures out of them absolutely it's just all it all it all feels odd is is what I would say. It feels it feels just off in enough ways where I, I came away from it thinking a lot about its flaws in a way that I didn't think I would because I. I couldn't tell if I was sure if I was just happy to have the sh- the this thing back in this time when I was watching it. If my nostalgia brain was ramping up constantly and keeping me in the show, or if I genuinely liked it for a period of time. And I I do think it's an okay show, but I don't think it's a great Ghost of the Shell show necessarily. But, you know, if you have Netflix, you can go watch all 12 episodes of the first season. I'll tell you, it has a second season. I guarantee it. And let me know. And let me know if you were put put off as much as I was by (laughs) the fact the trailer is in English, but the show is in Japanese with no choice to change to English. And on that note, my name has been Alex. If you like this episode... You can subscribe in the podcast app you're using to listen to this episode right now. You can leave me a five-star review on iTunes or any other place five-star reviews can be left. It helps the show a lot. And until next time, I will talk to you on Sunday.